Welcome to the Swedish podcast, a podcast about the paradox of life between two cultures. Today is uh, the 20th of November 2020 and uh, we're going to do something a little different with the podcast today because Yay! I'm going to interview, interview Jill. <laughs> I am going to interview Jill. <laughs> yeah. So I have to so, try really hard to actually keep my mouth shut because I have a big problem with talking too much. So I've got to let Kat do the talking this time. Yeah. Oh, I'm the interviewer, so just a mm. little bit of talking from mm, me. Mm, mm, little tiny, teeny tiny bit. Yeah. <laughs> so we thought that uh, given the news that Jill put on Instagram this week, that we'd talk a little bit about the closure of the, uh, the studio and how that all came about. Yeah, and I think also with with also kind of a reflection of how this year and all the things that have happened this year, most of all to do with the pandemic, has impacted micro businesses like mine, um, mm -hmm. uh, especially um, businesses that have been run by you know foreign 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 people living abroad in different countries who are then impacted by yeah all the rules and regulations and so on and so forth anyway we'll get into that blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm a bit nervous about this <laughs> i'm going to ask some very very hard-hitting questions mm. so you've got every right to be nervous mm. <laughs> mm. no i mean i think that the the first thing is just uh really what was what was the catalyst in the end that uh, made you make the decision to finally close the studio early? And uh... it was a decision that would have led to my family and me either being in long-term personal debt, like significant amounts of debt, um, or not, and. Um, I think when, if you've never run a business before, it's really difficult to understand quite how much, especially when it comes to a venue, quite how much money is involved in, you know, running a locale and all the services that you need to, to run that and all the operational <clears throat> aspects of things in terms of um, activities and so on but also the responsibilities and, and the um, the kind of upfront and and responsibility that you need so you know you have to think three to six months ahead all mm -hmm. the time so it's not just a case of going oh, but next next month's going to be okay, but next month's going to be okay. It's like, no, if the, three, if the next three months, three to six months is not going to be okay, then you don't have a cash flow. You don't have, mm, an, yeah. you don't have an income. You can't pay people. Um, and we were kind of also a little bit under pressure from um, a third party to take on a longer lease of the, mm. the space that we were renting or the studio space that we were renting. And that would have been a three year contract. Oy. And 
so it kind of like piled on top of everything. So there was the pandemic. There was the pandemic very much impacting our target market differently from mm. natives. There was also financial concern and uncertainty about how long this pandemic would last for or how, you know, whether would there be a second wave? Would there be a third wave? Would we would there ever be a vaccine? We, we don't know. But then on top of that, the sort of external pressure from the third party who was saying, uh, we really need somebody to take on this new contract and we need to take we need it to be like now or never. Mm. Um and after fighting throughout the whole of spring and scraping the barrel um to to keep the, the studio open and to just pay rent, um it kind of we made the we it just it was crazy it was just totally crazy to put ourselves into a hundred two hundred thousand kronas worth of debt for something that had no there was no certainty for there was no future that i could see mm, yeah. um and yeah it's a real damn shame because for the last five years I have been working like night and day, seven days a week, putting my heart and soul into not and into building a brand, uh, creating content, putting together activities, events, building a community, um, managing a community, um, and then to finally have a, a, a physical space for that community to then do it all again, which is rebuild the brand, rebuild the the space, rebuild the activities, rebuild um, our audience and our target market, um, and then start to look out, to look for partnerships and, and collaborations and all this kind of stuff. Um, it, it is, it does feel weird to just go, that's it, end. But I am exhausted. I am exhausted. And if I if I had had to do everything that we did before, just to get to where we were, excuse me, I'm going to see. <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> if we had, if you know, I think the thought of having to do all of that again. just was unbearable i couldn't mm. i just couldn't couldn't do it again i mean when i think it has to go right back to the start when we first when i first started little bear abroad and how it started um it it was just a shitty little website where i used to blog stuff um and then we started making do we started doing some kind of activities in English in Stockholm for international parents and then we took over the the uh, international playgroup um, but that's what you saw from the outside but what you didn't see from the from the back from the back end was me 
like constantly creating content, constantly pushing um, marketing, constantly meetings, trying to make connections, networking, um, trying to find revenue streams, trying to keep going. All like, I mean, it, that is day and night work. It's not just, and then plus looking after a small baby, which, you know, Stella was one at that point. So she wasn't even mm. at first school yet. Um, it's, you know, building a, building a business, building a brand is not for the lighthearted. And it takes a hell of a lot more than one would ever, ever imagine. Um, and I think it's really funny. Like I meet a lot of people and they're like, oh yeah, I just can't be bothered doing all that social media stuff. And I'm just like, whoa okay <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> um because you have to i mean if you want to build a successful recognizable solid brand that people will be like they wreck it as soon as they see it they know what it's what it is what it does what it's for i'm would like to think when people who so when they saw little bear abroad people knew what it was it was a it was a it was a it was a yeah it was a brand so um yeah it just um it does feel weird um to just give up um because i think a lot of people think that's what i've done but actually it was pretty tactical in terms of the long-term implications of what was going to happen mm. Oh. oh, I thought it was interesting that you were saying that uh, the the audience and the, the people coming, the participants for for Little Bear Abroad events, that they had a different set of priorities when when the pandemic first hit than uh, than native Swedes. And I think that uh, that's something really interesting to hear. Yeah, that uh, that maybe they they had a completely different take on how how Sweden should be dealing with the pandemic definitely definitely and we that's on the ground and in, in the studio and at playgroup and at the activities and events that we were hosting that's exactly what we were hearing um and it was also all over Facebook because at the time we were mm. we were utilizing Facebook groups quite heavily and a lot of the information that we were getting and insight that we were getting from our target audience was from Facebook and the, the feedback was, what the hell is going on? Why the hell are they just carrying on as if nothing's happening? While people who were hearing news and stories and information from their home countries, so they were kind of being bombarded with two bits of information. So there was the stuff that was coming from Sweden that they were kind of picking up on. And then there was the stuff that they were being told from family members back home in their home countries and hearing news from home country. And it just, it created this wild cognitive dissonance amongst mm. the international community in Stockholm and in Sweden of like, I, I, I don't know who to trust. I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, it, this is really, really scary. Um, and nobody seems to be taking it seriously. So no. it was kind of, and it was so, um, so when the, I, the, the first kind of 
inklings of the pandemic happened around about mid-February. And then we sort of crept along, kept going and kept going. And then it got to the beginning of March. And, you know, I you could see the numbers at Playgroup, for example, that was on Wednesday and Friday. That's our drop, that was our drop-in event that happened, Wednesdays and Fridays at the studio. They'd started dwindling quite significantly. Because yeah. we used to, I mean, we would have, you know, between 30 to 40 people every session. And they just got... It just got less and less and less and less and less and less. And then the Friday before the 15th of March, which was the Sunday, three people turned up. It was me and two other people. And that was the, that was kind of the the, the thing before, um, um, that was the thing before, um, I think, was it Stefan Novian did that speech or something? And then so there was two things that happened. The UK went into lockdown. Mm-hmm. And Stefan Novian had the, the, the press conference, which basically went, that's it, guys. Stay at home. Don't go out. Mm. Just, you know, circuit. Like, the, the closest thing Sweden was going to get to a lockdown basically happened. And... Um, and I remember that Sunday night, we just had one of our um, dance classes. And I remember that Sunday night going, cause I'd started, cause I was traveling into the, into the studio every day by uh, tube. Mm. And I just was like, no, can't do this anymore. Can't, can't ask people to do this anymore. It just doesn't feel safe. I, I need to, I feel like as a community leader, I need to take responsibility. I need to lead from the front. I need to be seen to be doing something. And um, it's interesting enough because also at that time, uh, Gina from Bali International, um, who I rent, who who I rented, who I rent the studio from, had also closed her studio, and she was just like, no, done. So it was kind of in tandem that all happened, um, but it was very much driven by what we were hearing from people who were attending our audience, our target market our community mm. members um and that, that just carried on and that just continued throughout like that was it game over and so we shut the studio for 10 weeks between march and beginning of june may beginning of june mm. um and that was real that was a really weird time that was really weird time because i was working with um I was working with two other people at the time, um, sort of um, uh, part-time co-founders. And, um, you know, we were just trying to get through every day, like, because there was so much uncertainty. Nobody knew what was happening. Nobody knew what was going to come around the corner. Nobody knew if we were going to open up next week. Nobody knew if it was all going to disappear. It was just the, the uncertainty was was almost as bad as the cognitive dissonance because it was just like it just made everything so you had no control nobody had any control and we didn't have any income coming in either because we weren't running any classes or courses or anything like that and um uh i just we we kind of scrambled like so much other thing we tried to do as much stuff as possible online um but after a while, people just got kind of bored of online. Yeah. That kind of, you know, Zoom fatigue 
thing that people a lot of people talked about and 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 you know baby and me classes they're they're just not the same <laughs> no. not the same. no it's very difficult for the baby on a zoom yeah. meeting um uh i bet you know i but i and you know they're yeah yoga baby yoga with on a zoom meeting is just not great um so we try to do other fun things and and so on and you know we we did a fundraiser as well and our community was so generous and that meant that we were able to keep the um uh keep the studio open an additional month and mm. um and then we had then i had to start paying rent out of pocket personal finances um so it was weird because I was so convinced that the summer was going to come round and I I worked so hard during summer to put together a really creative program for parents and babies and for parents by themselves um with external practitioners and and so on and and it was this it, and i think what the thing I think the other frustrating thing was that for five years up into that point i had been talking and listening and um asking questions of thousands of parents that i'd met through playgroup through a little bit abroad through all these things about what is it that you want when you come here what do you you know mm -hmm. what do you need when you come here and the number one thing was we want to make friends with people mm. and we also want to have somewhere to go and do things with our with our babies and and you know and people have mentioned baby sensory and baby yoga and baby massage and all these kind of things and you know i've found all of these all of these practitioners that did this within our communities they were all english speakers they were all within our from the community so we were kind of like you know it was all kind of going around the sort of circular economy within the community mm. that was keeping going and so on um and i was like yes this is going to be so great it's exactly what everybody wants mm. and you know yeah. we were kind of it was great because the like coronavirus was well down and it seemed like everything was just hunky-dory and it was great to get back to the studio when we re we even rebranded the studio as the family place so people kind of knew exactly what it was was that they were trying to get themselves into and there was a lot of work put into the rebranding of it and money was involved in the rebranding of it and nobody came no. nobody turned up nobody booked nobody tried and we did i i and and we we tried to give as many different kinds of options in terms of um courses and individual classes and uh clip courts and you know all the stuff all the stuff that you could you could think different way just to make it as flexible and affordable as possible because i I appreciate that you know right especially right now money is 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 hard to come by for a lot of people um but we just couldn't i don't know i it was we were getting a handful two or three every class every session 
Um, and we just kept getting told by people, it's the it's coronavirus, it's coronavirus, it's coronavirus, it's coronavirus. People don't want to come out. And at that point, I was like, I I knew it was bad. I knew people. I knew that our community, the international community in Stockholm and Sweden, was really affected was affected by it but i didn't understand it was that much i didn't understand that people were that you know and i'm still to this day kind of a bit like really you know was really i mean i understand now because there's been a sharp increase in cases and you know it's getting really bad again um but the summer and it, i it, you know i was just it was it was it was weird so once you've put that much money and time and energy um, and literally blood, sweat and tears, which I know is a cliche, but literally blood, sweat and tears, and then nothing happens, you're kind of like, you just begin to, you just lose all confidence, yeah. all, all confidence in what you're doing, why you're doing it, is this right, is this, you know, and, I, and at that point as well, you know, um, it was just me. So I didn't have anybody else to really like bounce ideas off of or kind of, you know, we could like hey each other and keep going and all this kind of stuff. And that was partly my decision to go alone at that point as well. Um, but it, it felt, I felt I was like really, I was, I was, yeah, yeah, I was, I really lost confidence in what yeah. we were doing and what the purpose was. Um, and I, I'd also got to the point where I started to resent it. I resented, you know, uh, the physical space, the, the studio. I resented the digital space. Um, like I just stopped producing content for the website, just couldn't bear to produce content for the website anymore. Um, I resented any amount of work that I had to do just to keep the plate, just to keep Little Bear Broad going and the studio. Mm -hmm. um, and I even began to resent um, uh, like some of the community as well because yes. And I have to be truthful because I was just so frustrated. I was just so frustrated about it not working and not understanding why it wasn't working and like and losing the confidence that I'd had in what I was doing. Um, but also having to be realistic with myself and go, you fucked up. <laughs> like at the end of the day, you know, you fucked up. And that having to admit that to oneself is 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 full of guilt and shame you know that's that's full of guilt like i am you know i made every entrepreneurial mistake in the book like i did i did i did and you know it's like i'm happy to admit that i think failure once you go through a massive failure like this once you realize that you know all the shame and guilt that comes with failure is pretty useless like what's the point what's the point in feeling guilt and shame about you know failure 
Are you worried what other people think? Well, they're dealing with their own failure. So, you know, there's no point in thinking about, there's really no point in thinking about that. So I kind of just, I'm like, yeah, I failed. It failed. I didn't, I didn't Mm. get it right. I didn't get it right. But I think, I mean, I don't know. I, for me, I, I see failure in a different way. And one of my favorite quotes, and I think it's Samuel Beckett is try again, fail again, fail better. I think it's, you know, there is so much to be learned from failing that you have to, you have to take it as a, as a learning curve. And Mm. sometimes the learning curves are just much, Mm. much deeper Mm. than other times. Absolutely. And I think that's what I mean about, you know, once you kind of, you get sucker punched by the realization of failure and the guilt and the shame washes over you. And then you take the time to kind of sort through that, process it. If you if you give yourself that time, that's the other thing. You have to give yourself that opportunity to do that. Um, you know, you you do come to the conclusion. It's just, well, what the hell is the point? You know, like what is the point in this guilt and shame? You're the only, you know, you're the one that has control over this situation. You're the person that can wallow you can wallow in the in the guilt and the shame and you've got every right to do that totally fine absolutely uh, but everybody else has moved on mm. so you know it's kind of like well um i i i kind of um i i think I, I'm, I'm not gonna i have to be honest that this is gonna it's gonna stay with me for a long time it's gonna linger over me what's happened with the studio and my business and um, but it's not so much about guilt and shame. It's about just how much I put into it. Yeah. Um, because there's an awful lot of other stuff involved in that. I mean, I, you know, sacrificed friendships and, and, and not given time to my family. And I've, you know, sacrificed parts of, you know, my life and, and so on and so forth in order to get, to, to keep this business going. And that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, a whole other podcast episode there. But but you know, it, but it's part of it's part of the realization of guilt and shame. Is it worth mm. it? Well, no, it's not. Let's just you know put that guilt, put the guilt and shame aside that you think you should have because there's a stranger on the internet that thinks you're shit. Fuck that, you know. Like, <laughs> go back to your friends. Go back to your friends, the people who are still mm. there, standing next to you, going, "You did what you could, and that's it." Those yeah. are the those are the people who are important, and those are the people who are going to get your get you help help you get back on to another horse in the next race to keep going. Yeah. Um, and I think that's 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 how I feel about the next stage, but you know, in this kind of journey of closing down a business or closing down a failed business, you know, there's good days and bad days. And it has been particularly weird because we've kind of, this period has gone on for so long. So, Mm. you know, we just, we made the decision in September, beginning of September to close the business. And it's now the end of November. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, that's been a long few months of just waiting it out, um, yeah. which has not been fun, really, actually. 
Um, so. Yeah. But you said there about uh, another horse in another race. So what mm -hmm. is the next horse? What is the next race for Jill? So, um, well, interestingly enough, at the same time I was running my business, my partner, Matthias, was running his business. And um, his business is wildly more successful than mine. <laughs> Basically because he ran it from his bedroom. <laughs> um, but no, he's a, a web developer and web designer. So um, he has clients from all over the world, international, um, specializes in small to medium sized businesses, sort of internal structure stuff. Um, and for the last two years, he's been running it completely by himself. Um, and when we kind of came to the realization that from a financial perspective, the studio and Little Bear God just wasn't conceivable going forward in the future. There was just no, the, the uncertainty was too much. He kind of was like, well, you know, I kind of need somebody to do my stuff. <laughs> um, and I think he'd been sitting on that for quite a long time and he hadn't really kind of known how to broach the subject as it were um and then of course i just came storming in through the door going everything's fucked it's all a mess and i went actually it's not um so we are um january the first i'm starting um i'm going to start working for him as digital producer for his web development company and just um, kind of mm, sort of mm, multifaceted role of being the buffer between the development team, clients, third parties, that kind of thing. Um, but also um, doing a lot of work, selling in concepts and, 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 um, and, looking for business development opportunities and all that kind of stuff like that. Um, and it's really exciting because we do, like he does work with some really f exciting clients. Um, it's not just sort of, you know, weird network stuff. And yeah. Um, but it's exciting for me because it's an area that I have never worked in. I've been a producer for pretty much my entire career. It's just, I've just had a different job title. And um, so that's been in events, it's been in film and television, it's been in, you know, all the kind of artsy world, media, media. Um, media. <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, um, so now, now I'm heading into the tech, tech scene. And that's, that's I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting to know that industry because it's, um, uh, it's it's a booming sector here in Stockholm um, and I'm really um, excited to start networking and uh, building contacts and, and so on um, here um, because there's so many opportunities and that's one of the things that as a business um, 
um, we're as an agency we're very very interested in is innovation um, yeah. and Matthias is a very efficient programmer and developer and he sees innovation through the lens of efficiency and that's what his goal is is to build um, systems and processes for clients that are just as efficient as they are innovative so um i yeah i'm quite excited about being on the on the kind of tailcoats tailcoats of that actually mm. um but the most exciting thing of course is our new offices which i'm so excited about. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first job is that was my first job as as um producer for the for the agency was to find new offices because i put my foot down and said we are not working in the living room together um so i managed to find an office which is on the 23rd floor of stockholm's tallest building dn the dn skropan building and i'm like ah, this is so cool <laughs> um so we were very lucky so we're going to move in there in january too and uh we've been having and it's very interesting because we've had ikea design our offices for us Oh, exciting. Yeah, um, which has been a, um, an interesting trip. We were actually there this morning at Ikea behind the scenes. And I was not allowed to take any pictures, which I was a bit annoyed about because I was going to take some pictures for Instagram. But they were like, nope, nope, we can't have you taking any pictures behind the scenes. Like, yep. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but Can you give us a little hint of what it's like behind the scenes? Is it like... Very white. Very <laughs> white. But it's kind of interesting because, right, I mean, I'm not being funny, but if you looked at Matthias's business website, you'd be like, ooh, that's a pretty shirt website, wouldn't use them. But it's actually a case of, like, he's been so busy building other people's websites that he just hasn't bothered doing his. And that's mm -hmm. what Ikea is a bit like. Like, mm -hmm. the back end, the back offices of Ikea, they're a bit shabby. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just because they're so busy building everybody else's stuff. So, you know, that's yeah. the, it's the same the same kind of thing um but uh yeah so it's it's exciting times but it's still very weird to not have little bear broad anymore mm. i mean the website is still there and it's still you know you can search stuff and but there's like i'm not i haven't logged on to the, i the only thing i log on to do is to actually upload this podcast <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully we're going to be moving the podcast to its actual real location very soon oh, which will a be new good. home a new home for the for the for the podcast but yeah mm -hmm. well i think it's uh it's quite difficult not to to have the closure i imagine that mm. because of the pandemic it's it is just a case of sort of just closing the door and being like okay that was that was the last day in the studio rather than this sort of big and that's exactly party how, yeah and, yeah, that's yeah. And that's exactly how it's going to be. Like that is it will. Be, in fact, you know, we didn't even know that the the last day was going to be the last day. Mm. Last Sunday, we didn't know it was going to be the last the, the last day. Um, and I think ordinarily, as I've said to you before, if it wasn't COVID times, um, well, for a start, we would still probably be running. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'd probably still be in business um <laughs> so there's that um so you know we'd probably be onto our you know second space by now because it would have been so wildly popular that everybody would have come um 
uh but all jokes aside um yeah we probably would have still been in business but if we had not been in business and if we had decided to shut the business down then we would have had a massive party and we would have just invited mm -hmm. everybody it would have been an open open gig you know doors open comments you know have a let's have a blast let's really enjoy this um um let's make the most of it and you know piss up basically <laughs> Um, but we can't. No, there'll be a COVID delayed piss up later. Yeah, we've already, yeah, there's a few of us have already started thinking about that. <laughs> we have started, we have kept the, the one thing that we have, that we are, or that I'm quite keen to keep going is, um, uh, is Mama Mertet, which I really enjoyed because it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um and but again it's the same thing of we can't really do anything that fun anymore because like we can't have that number that many people in the same place or with that much alcohol <laughs> um <laughs> that's, basically, that's, basically, anyway. that's basically what it was it was just a piss up for mums um and um so i think um that's something that I'd quite like to do, but I think I'd quite like to do a little bit more of a grown-up version. Mm. Um, but, and, and something that doesn't compete with the likes of Hon, um, you know, the mm. her online network, um, yeah. which I think is fantastic. It's going, it's, it's you know, but it's obviously it's international, it's, all over the world now um mm. but nothing that competes with that and the professional mm. level this is more of a social thing most more of a social yeah. level and you know i'd really like to organize some intimate suppers in some nice nice places or like you know cocktail parties you know things that mm. are a little bit more um a little bit more grown up um yeah something like that in the future would be really nice to do yeah. Mm -hmm. watch this space watch this space indeed you never know we might do swedish ones swedish ones <laughs> swedish <laughs> um so yeah but i think you know i know one of the things that i've the takeaways from this whole thing is it yeah it's been totally shit my business has gone under i don't have a secure income at the moment um but I am so fortunate that my family and I are financially secure, which is amazing. Mm. Um, I've already got another job. Couldn't ask for anything more than that. And, you know, it could be a hell of a, it could be a hell of a, I could be in debt. I could be in huge yeah. amounts of debt, huge amounts of debt, which I'm not, which is fantastic, you know, amazing. Um, and I know that there's people out there who've got it, who've lost homes. They've lost not yeah. just businesses, but homes, entire livelihoods because of what's happened with coronavirus this year. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's important to focus on that yeah. as well. I think it feels as well, like it's, there has been some modicum of, of, of government support, but really not anything that has felt mm. accessible or yeah. or applicable to yeah. a lot of the small businesses that certainly foreign-born people are 
are running here. Mm-hmm. And I think and, that's uh, it's made uh, it very difficult. And th- that was a big problem for us at the very beginning as well, because we couldn't access any of the support that they had, um, because it was only on offer to ActiBlog organizations. Mm. Um, so mm. that was people who had who, who were in in you know other term limited companies you know they had actually um and little bear abroad in the studio was was it was only an e again for the talk so in mm. firma so um basically freelance <laughs> um uh so there was nothing there was absolutely zero support for anybody who was uh, in cool firma unless you employed people if you had employees then you could apply for um can't remember the Swedish term but it was basically it was basically um paycheck support you could mm. you could you could get money from you could furlough your your um your staff um, yes. but because we didn't have any paid staff there was that you know we weren't entitled to anything we were entitled to nothing um yeah. and I really I mean this is a bit this is a bit controversial to say but I really do feel and this is not just applicable to Sweden it's applicable to all over the world all over the world mm. but micro businesses and small businesses really have been the cannon fodder for you know the economy's fight against the against covid i mean mm. they 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 businesses that governments had to decide well who's going to go under we need to sacrifice yeah. somebody and it was the small businesses so it's um yeah but i i know that i know that now especially with after the summer and with this second wave and so on i know that in sweden anyway um they have started to release some cash for micro businesses or in quilt firma um companies mm. um i'm not sure what the um you know what the litmus test for how you are whether or not you're applicable for it is i don't know I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, but mm. I think you had to demonstrate a clear loss of earnings okay. from the yeah. previous year. I think, yeah. mm. but that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's the story of what happened to the studio. So bye bye studio. Bye bye studio. Bye bye little bit abroad. It was fun for five years. But then it didn't wasn't fun after all that. <laughs> but there's exciting exciting things ahead. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and 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 that's one of the reasons why I decided to keep doing the podcast because that's the thing yeah. that I really enjoyed doing. Like I really, really loved doing the podcast, um, meeting people, talking to them about their experiences, you know, and learning more about other people's experiences and 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 it's a great way you know as it's like i'm i'm a terrible writer i am a terrible writer um so this is like blogging for me except i don't have to write it's great (laughs) i love it it's great it's so cool it's so cool um so it's blogging without the grammar worries (laughs) (sighs) 
easy. If you say anything grammatically incorrect, I'll just put a face. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I see. And but the thing is, is I say loads of stuff grammatically correct, but nobody, nobody kind of really picks up on it, so it's fine. <laughs> but yeah. So that's 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 my story. That's the end. There we have it. Uh, it's not the end. It's just a new beginning. The new beginning. And if one more person says to me, oh, well, maybe you can open it after COVID, I'll be like, no, that's it. It's done. <laughs> um, I think we can uh, start, start on the platitudes like one door closes and another one opens. Yay! <laughs> all, all those wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, well, thank you, for, thank you for interviewing me about this, Kat. I appreciate it. It's given me a chance to share all the behind the scenes back stuff all that kind of thing which is which is good oh, I think it's been interesting to hear exactly what's been going on behind the scenes because you you only ever see the tip of the iceberg of, mm. of any business so to know exactly what was going on behind all that mm. is, uh, is always interesting yeah yeah and um that, yeah and i think you know that's why i get quite defense defensive of um small businesses um because nobody does nobody who's as i said before if you don't have any skin in the game then you're not you don't have any right to give the advice you know, so yeah. if you if you've never run a business before, or it doesn't even have to be that. If you don't run that business, then you have no yeah. right actually saying or telling anybody how to run their own business because you have no idea what is going yeah. on behind the scenes. You could be the best business person in the world, and unless you have a really true and accurate port like picture of what is going on behind the scenes, no. And especially oh. don't ever give anybody advice on social media. <laughs> I think social media is also, it's also part of the problem is that, you know, if you're a small business, you have to present this sort of shiny, wonderful uh, mm. image of, of yourself and how everything's going wonderfully because, you know, no client's really going to want to hear that you're desperate I do think it's getting better though I mean especially especially this year you know businesses mm. have had to be honest with their customer base and they have had to be brutally brutally honest really and say mm. you know guys you're our bread and butter you know and mm. if we can't you know I know that it's really hard right now but you know you have to support us don't give your money to great big organizations like Amazon come and spend your money with us so you know mm. that you know we can still keep going yeah or you yeah. know that kind of that sort of thing so I think it's really important I think it is really important for businesses to be open honest and move their clients if you're if, mm. if they're if they're if their audience feels touched moved and inspired by that business that's a love mark right there you know that is the, that they will forever have that person's loyalty um because it's about showing personality depth and and and, and you know it's yeah and it, it was a bit strange for me because you know the for me the brand was also my personality 
So a lot mm. of me was wrapped up in the brand as well. So, you know, I think if you have a brand, which is, is which is your, if it's your personal brand, especially, um, it, it's, it's even more important to be honest sometimes, I think. Yeah. If that's, you know, it, it works for some people. It doesn't work for everybody. But you know, if if you're if you're if you're running your own sweetie shop somewhere, and you know you're you're the personality's brand behind the behind it, then you know, yeah, be honest about your sweetie shop. <laughs> I'll stop now. <laughs> now this has been this has been great. I think a great insight into to how life is for small businesses mm. in the pandemic so thank you very much oh you're welcome thank you for interviewing me yep. my pleasure bye everybody bye bye <laughs>